I'm Lizzie Mathis, and welcome back to the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. This week, we're thrilled to have a great friend of mine, Allison Statter, as our special guest. Allison is the CEO of Blended Strategy Group and mama of three preteen to teenage boys. Allison and I met as school moms, so wait for her to tell the story in this episode. Born and raised in Los Angeles, California, with success all around her, Allison leans in and continues to amaze me with her awareness, kindness, authenticity, and entrepreneurial drive on the daily. Let's jump right in, y'all. This is going to be a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Allison Statter in my chair, in the hot seat today, and at the Cool Mom Code podcast. I am so excited. And to be honest with you, I think (laughs) you're going to laugh, but this is the first interview that I think I've been nervous for. Oh, stop. I swear. What do you mean? You can ask ask my assistant. You can ask Issa. I've been nervous about this one. You're crazy. No, I, I promise you. And Why? it's not. I, I think it's because we are friends. And obviously, yeah. I've interdu- interviewed my friends. So it's not that. I think it's just like your story is so opposite of mine, but yet right. we are still such similar people. Yeah. And that is so fascinating and mind-blowing to me. It kind of like, it. it so it makes me nervous because I'm like, oh my God. Like, what is she going to say? How is she? Like, yeah. it just, it, it made me so excited, but then very nervous because we're also friends. I know. I can see how the, it's actually funny you say that because I always, I think I have such awareness of where I come from and mm-hmm. how I have been raised and, you know, where, you know, my journey or my path or whatever we want to call it. But I am always so humbled and I am always so like in awe of people who haven't been raised or come from where I come from Mm -hmm. because you, especially someone like you, a black woman who has had to fucking work hard in life, personally, professionally. Like I have more respect for you than I do for myself. No, no. I mean, this is so interesting. I, I don't know. And this is exactly what I want people to take away from this. I want to start this with them already taking away. You are extremely humble. You have literally every room that I've walked in with you. You've always made me feel so comfortable. Mm-hmm. You've never looked at me or treated me or you know, not as you should or anything like that, but like it's all I felt like I'm on the same level or tier as any of your other friends. We are. And you've we're had all li- on the same level. You we're have all, we're all you have lifelong friends though. Friends that you've been raised with, friends best. that you have, you know, you've grown up with these people. You now you guys are in business and re- and friendship and kids and raising families and a true village together, right? But you have been always one of those people that I walk into a room and you're such a light. You oh, really thank are. Thank you. And um, thank you. So I want to start by like saying that because I think that's important. And as we hear your journey and hear how, you know, whatever it is, you, the way you've kind of come up in this world, I think that's so important to take away because yeah. you didn't have to be like this. I did though. You didn't. But I did. And by the way, it's not have to, it's just one. And I say this a lot when I do podcasts, like it's a testament to my parents mm-hmm. and how, how they raised us. There's mm-hmm. four of us. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it is a testament to my parents in just continuing to instill values that are important in life. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and really highlight those values as they've raised me and my siblings. And now it trickles down into how Rich and I raise our kids, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's at the core of all of it, right? So let's talk about that, though. Let's talk a little bit about childhood. Yeah. Let's talk about, did you realize, because just for backstory. Yeah. Born and raised in L.A. Born and raised in L.A. Um, in a prominent family. Yeah. Very successful family. Yeah. And around a lot of successful people. So yeah. your community was uber successful everywhere you looked, whether Correct. it's like your mom's friends, dad's friends, whether it was your classmates at school, everybody was in an elite class of success, yeah. right? Privilege. Lots privilege. Of privilege. Lots of privilege. But did you realize that when you were a kid? Did you know that? Like, was that like something that you just you kind know, of knew? I think that, I think I did realize it because I think I always wanted to help other friends who maybe didn't have as much privilege Mm. or I wanted, like, I've always been a very empathetic person, Mm -hmm. you know, where, and I'm emotional about it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even today, I'm super emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. about it where, and it's almost to a fault where I'm always like, I got to help them. I have to help that person. They don't have, they don't have the means or the networking or the relationships or the financial support or anything that I have. And so it's just like innately in me. And what I think age? It's what age young, did you know? Super it? young, super young. Like I always, five? Kindergarten? I think also partially because, you know, as a childhood, yes, I had all of these incredible things, mm-hmm. but I also had a lot of, um, you know, I, I had a lot of hard things too yeah. as growing up in yeah. this town. You know, my mom was really young when she had my sister and I, mm. or me. Um, and my mom was a mom in her early 20s, 21, 22 mm, years old, you yeah. know, and got thrown into this big life. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom is a very humble girl from the Valley. Yeah. You know, she's from North Hollywood. Yeah. And my father too, he, he grew up in Danville, Illinois. Um, you know, yeah. So I think that because that's how they were raised and like they instilled that in us and, and, but with that and with having a young mom, you know, my childhood was, was, was sometimes lots of obstacles. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of stuff that I had to live through that was hard, but at the same time, I just believe in resilience, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was very resilient. And because of those hardships, I think that I had empathy, but also, I was all like, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I almost felt like I could connect to those other people who had different, but, but hardships as well. Mm -hmm. They were different than mine, you know? Um, and I just have always, you know, I, I really just want to be a good person. When you were growing up though, with, with your friends, did you feel like you were one of one in that respect? Or did you feel like you were in like a group of people who felt the same way? It varied. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that there was some, listen, growing up is hard. You know it. You have I mean, girl, listen, you have two girls right now going honey, through middle school. But this is the thing though, it Allison, is so like to get hard. down to it, like the thing about it is that one, very rare, very, well, I don't know. I can't really say very rarely because I do, I feel like we are in a, in, in a circle kind of like, or, or yeah. we do know a lot of people who were raised in LA and, yeah. you know, who, um, who did experience a lot of success younger and yeah. like all that stuff. So I can't really say that growing up. I don't think that I was obviously, I, that wasn't even in my aura. Like I yeah. wasn't even aware that that kind of success was even possible or, or even right. there. But now having kids, since you mentioned that, 
That's my biggest fear, raising kids in L.A. because the stereotype, okay, and I will say stereotype because there's people that break the mold, but the stereotype is, is that these like Hollywood kids, they live in L.A., they have all Mm -hmm. this access, they have all this like whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so I asked that question if that was like something normal in your group, because now with preteens, you know, and being at a school that is very privileged. privileged, And although it's an amazing school, amazing people, I've never had an issue with not one person. Yeah. Um, That's just because you're neutral and so amazing. I am am neutral. (laughs) Anybody who knows me, I am very very neutral. But but for me, you know what I mean? Like I've had great experiences. You know, I've talked to many people about this and I actually was talking to Rachel Zoe about this recently. And she was like, I just don't get it. Why? Like, what is that? I was like, I don't attract it. Yeah. I don't attract it. As soon as I feel like I feel it or see it or like negativity or whatever or anything coming my way, I'm like, oh, blinders. Yeah. Blinders up. You're just so open and and honest and all those things. But I think, you know, look, there's growing up in L.A. And when I grew up here, it was very different. You have to remember. Why so? Why so? Well, Tell me. first of all, it was just social media in general. Well, yeah. yeah that that's in true. general yeah. was... That's not just LA, honey. That's, that's not everywhere. just LA. That's everywhere, yeah. right? But it was very different. It was much It was much smaller, weirdly. Yeah. You know, it was contained a bit more. Um, but how? And I how had a normal childhood. I need... I want people to understand. I did all the normal things. I, My father was my AYSO coach, yeah. you know? We went on bike rides. We had play dates. We had birthday parties. Like, we did all of these normal things. It yeah. wasn't like I lived in L.A. and I was, you know... Yes, I was exposed to a lot of things that... I would say the majority of people aren't, but at the same time, I think that that gave me such a foundation Mm -hmm. to be able to navigate this as an adult too with my own children, right? right? right, To understand like, okay, I lived through this. Mm -hmm. I've been through this. And what's funny enough is, you know, my mom is a recovering addict and she Mm. got sober when I was 15. Mm. And I used to go with her a lot. She would go to these women's meetings Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that was her sobriety. She took you. I would go with her sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I enjoyed it, you wow. know, because it was, I was just so proud of her, mm-hmm. you know, and I was proud of her for being, you know, committed to staying sober and being in, in the program and all the things. And I would go with her and you would have a lot of women in there that grew up in small towns. You would have a lot of women in there that like weren't exposed to this and then came here. And that's partially how, how, it, happened. how it happened or how mm-hmm. they got addicted to whether it was liquor or drugs or whatever it was. And I once remember saying to my mom, you know, you owe, cause you said liquor yeah. instead of alcohol, <laughs> you know, yeah. you owe, you Sorry, was like liquor. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Go but, ahead. uh, I remember saying to my mom one time asking her, I'm like, you know, if you could do it over, would you have raised us somewhere else? Mm. Would you have stayed in LA? And she said, no, I wouldn't because meeting a lot of the women there, it's twofold, right? It was either that they lived in small towns and there was nothing else to do. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. So they would go and they would do a ton of crazy drugs mm-hmm. and go to parties and party and da 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 da, da. Um, Or it was a lot of people who came here in their early adult life and couldn't manage it because it mm. is, you know, it was a lot. yeah. And so she... It really set, it really sunk in with me where she said, you know, I wouldn't change it because you guys have, one, you're in a city where there's a lot to do, mm-hmm. but also you're around it to know what not to do, what not to do. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. how to, and how to kind of allow yourself the boundaries 
but also see people who, you know, did, I had friends in high school who went to rehab, Yeah, but that's everywhere. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's everywhere. Is it, is it heightened in LA because of the resources, because, you know, of the privileged families that they could afford to send their kids to rehab in high school, things mm-hmm. like that? Yes. But, you know, but do you feel like, I mean, I don't, you know, that's an interesting question. Do you feel like it's heightened in LA? You know, not anymore. I think not it's anymore. everywhere. I think that it is everywhere. Yeah. I don't think that's the, when I think about LA, I don't necessarily think of drugs and alcohol, right? Like I do, mm-hmm. I do, but I feel like that's everywhere. I feel it like is. that is, you when know. When I think about LA, I think about keeping up with the Joneses. I think about keeping up with and I think about access. That's what it is for me. It's access. It is this world where you feel like, and not all of LA. Let's be, let's preface this because I have friends in LA who this is not their world. Yeah. You know, this just happens to be a certain like population of LA that it is this world of like access. And we're at Taylor Swift's concerts. You know what I mean? They're, they're 10 and you know, it's, it's all these sort of things that they're able to be around at a young age. And so then the question becomes, what is there to look forward to? Trust me. When you have done it all, your birthday's are in combo. But here's what I'll tell you is my parents set a high bar. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, Say, people, what do you mean by that? Explain. Well, you know, my dad and my mom both have insane work ethics, mm-hmm. workaholics, mm-hmm. you know, you, and that's where you get it from. And that's where I get it from. Yeah. You know, because whether we like it or not, I do think that we um, replicate a lot of what our parents teach us. Yeah. You know, we might put our own twist on it and we might do our own thing and, you know, all the different people might think that we're not like our parents, but we are, we can't help it. And I think that my parents set that bar for me, which is, you know, you got to earn your keep. You got to work really hard. Nothing is free in life. Um, Even with the privilege, you know, I wanted for nothing. Mm -hmm. I really wanted for nothing. You know, I always had a roof over my head. I always had food to eat. I always had, you know, cute clothes. I always was able to go to concerts. You know, I lived on the road as a little baby with Mm -hmm. my father and my mother, you know, my summers were spent touring a lot. So I got a lot of access into the behind the scenes of what, you know, music tours were like, but at the same time, you know, that allowed for me to have big dreams, you know, where I would see it and I would be like, wow, I say this all the time. And I realize that now it's hard to come by, but I just want to give back to my parents for everything that they afforded me, you know, and in order to do that, I got to work. That's right. I I can't give it back to them in just what they give me and then be like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's, you know, go on a vacation. It just doesn't work like that. How do you give back to your parents now? What, like, what is your way of giving back? Because it's not monetary. I mean, it's not those things. No, I wish it could be one day. But what is it? they live in an alternate universe. Yes, exactly. that's a hard bar. That's a hard bar. Yeah. So how do you give back to the ones that, you know, have literally taken care of you so much? I love them so much. Mm -hmm. You know, I... I live for them. I love them. I look up to them, you know, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes they drive me crazy. Of course. I'm sure I drive them crazy. My mom said to me once, she was like, it was a Sunday and I was like, can I, do you want me to come over and hang out? And she was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I used to take offense to it before I had kids. Yeah. But now that I have kids, I don't take offense to it because I might be an adult 
but I'm still her kid. That's right. And I need a break from my kids. That's right. Especially on Sundays. Hell yeah. You know, so. I barely want to talk to my kids on Sunday. (laughs) So, you know, I get it, right? Like our parents, being a parent is really hard. It's the hardest job, I think, in the entire world. Oh, I would, I would, I can, I can argue that argument. I can, I can disagree. Really? What Mm -hmm. do you think is harder? Uh, Being married. Interesting. Marriage. Really? 1,000%. Wow. 1,000%. I think innately, and I've had this conversation before with Issa. Yeah. I I think innately there's something inside me, a makeup, that when I pushed out these children, when I had these kids, that I was going to love them regardless forever unconditionally. And this is how I felt about my mom. You are very close to your family, same as I. Very close to your mother, same as me. You know, and I remember calling my mom after having these kids and I was like oh my god you know Mm -hmm. like I didn't realize the type of love you had for me Mm -hmm. thank you and I remember when she passed and Mm -hmm. I was like honestly no one on this earth will love me the same way that my Mm -hmm. mother loved me this Mm -mm. unconditional love so I say the argument because your kids you will love unconditionally no matter what they do no matter what Nima does, I mean, given if she goes apeshit crazy, I will mess yeah, her up or whatever. But you'll still love her. But I will love her. I will always love my children. Yeah. With Issa, it's a choice that I have to make daily <laughs> right. to say to myself, okay, today I'm going to factor you in. Today I'm going to love you. Today I'm... It's, it's a process. Yeah. It's not as innate as it comes to children. That's well, the only I reason think, why I say I think that in a modern world, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, you know, look, we both have incredible husbands. Yes. Issa is amazing. Say, is amazing. Rich, Rich is, is amazing. amazing. Mm-hmm. Rich is the most incredible father, which yes. makes me love him so much more. Yes. You know, I see him with our kids to the point where sometimes I'm like, can I like parent for a minute? Like, can I mean, I, but you also you have know? all boys. I have know? all boys. So, I do have all boys. So it is a little bit different than that. Yeah. But um, he is just the most incredible father. And, and I feel blessed that I, my marriage is actually easy, Yeah, you know, knock on wood. Like I feel really blessed for that. But I also say that God gave me rich because I, I deserved him. That's right. You know, I deserve like this man in Mm -hmm. my life who is so incredible in so many ways. And, um, you know, I went through a lot as a child and I never, ever, ever, I dreamt about being married. I dreamt about the fairy tale. I did. I dreamt about it a lot. I did you want to be married? I did. I always wanted to like grow up and be married and have babies. I, I think I've said this before. My mom and dad once asked me on my 10th birthday what I wanted and I asked them to adopt me a baby. No. Yeah. I just, I was, I, I had, I would dream about you know, carrying my babies into Thanksgiving dinner and like oh. being with the family. Like I wanted to be a mom from the moment I knew I could be a mom, mm-hmm. you know, and I would dream about the husband and the kids, but, you know, I never actually thought I would have it as good as I have it. Look at that. Yeah. I never did. I thought I was going to either be alone my whole life. And why is that? I don't know. I think I just, you know, I don't know. I think maybe sometimes I felt like I wasn't worthy of it. I mean, even to this day, even last night, I got in my car last night after something and I was a little bit anxious. And because even like everything is so right and good Mm -hmm. with my family and, you know, whether it's my parents and my siblings or with my, my immediate and my children and my husband and, you know, with work and all the things. And look, there's lots of heavy stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, there's lots of heavy stuff. There's, 
a lot of things, but at the core, everything's so good. And I literally am always waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm. You know, my friends will tell you. I'll call my friends, you know, when I first was with Rich, I'd be like, oh, my God, what if he dies on this trip? He's going here. Da, 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 da. Wow. You know, I have a lot of abandonment stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just, just automatically assume the shoe's going to drop. Something negative Something's going to happen. You know, even with the kids being in Catalina, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking worst possible. I'm like right. snorkeling. They're yeah. going snorkeling? Yeah. Aren't there sharks in that ocean? Just to give a con- context, our kids right now are, they're in, we have multiple kids, we have a couple kids in the same grades, uh, go to the same school, and our kids right now are on a retreat, retreat field trip kind of thing. Two nights, two, two days. Two nights, three days. Okay, see, thank yeah. God she knows, guys. <laughs> three days, two nights. And so so they're um, they're in Catalina Island, yeah. which we're both very nervous about. Yeah, so, they're yes. gonna take a boat there. I'm like, what if something happens in the ocean? I mean, you know, I think I know. about we all thought these the same things. things. Yeah, yeah, you know. So but that's I'm- interesting. I guess I don't. I mean, that's interesting that you you feel like the the shoe is always going to drop always. because you have it. So good. But it's like, in those moments, like last night when I got in my car, yeah. I literally stopped for one second and I'm like, nope. You're worthy of this life. You deserve this. I love this. You deserve this. And I just have to keep repeating it to myself but where, sometimes. Okay, so where 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 did you make the shift that you now know to stop yourself in that thought? And by the way, it doesn't always work. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, You know, sometimes... But I'll, you're conscious of it. I'm conscious See, of I it. See, I think that's always the first step in anything. Yeah. As long as you... When you start to become aware of the thought and aware that you're having this thought, now you can actually change the thought, right? Yeah. Now you have the power to shift that thought into yes. something. Something else. Yeah. But where did that come from for you? Which part? That- like, how did you know that, like, okay, I know now that I need to stop this thought. This thought isn't a good thought. Because a lot of times we go through, when we're having these thoughts, we cycle in. And then yeah. we just drop, 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 drop. Totally. And you could go down dark holes. You can go down dark holes. And it's self-sabotage. It is. And not only is it self-sabotaging, it also, now you're starting to manifest negative things. And now totally. you're starting to bring negative things into your totally. life. So how do you stop that? Listen, I don't have an answer on how to stop it. I think I've done some work. I should probably do more work, but <laughs> I'm not I I love if I could I tell people all the time if I could go to therapy every single day, I would. <laughs> um and I probably could if I made the space for it, you know. Yeah. I have um obviously done some therapy mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. I have Um, My friends are an incredible support system, you know, where I'll talk to them a lot. I have one, my my one girlfriend, Simone, who I think you know as well, um, who's amazing. I'll call her all the time and I'll be like, this is happening. Why is this happening? Blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, and she'll be like, no. Yeah. You know, everything's fine. She'll break it down. And and I think just having people continue to fill my cup is helpful Mm, and remind me that I am worthy and I do deserve this and I am capable. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that there is this, especially in today's environment with how people lean into social media and like what you see on social media isn't the truth of what people actually live. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. I totally agree And I don't think people realize that. And I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. Well, people give their highlight reel. Yeah. You know, know? I'm totally guilty of it where I'll be like flicking my phone. Well, I mean, listen, look, (laughs) if anyone looks at her Instagram account though, you, you live a very fun life. I mean, you're literally working with Gwen Stefani and Cardi B and Kim K, you know, is BFF. It's like you live this fun life. I mean, obviously there's a behind the scenes to all of this. There's so much. And I'm still a human. I still have, you know, lots of things that are hard to overcome. Right. 
you know, and, and I think that people forget that everyone has that well, in life. And I Every do think that, yeah. single person, even if it looks beautiful on the exterior, mm-hmm. people are suffering on the interior. Well, everyone and puts their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. That's what my mom used to tell me. Everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. My mom no said to me, actually, it. funny you said that. I love that your mom said that to you because my mom said to me not that long ago, you know, to my point, I was going through a lot of, of stuff at work and it was stressful. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I had been met with something that I really had to stop and take time to figure out. Mm. Right. And it was hard. And and I called my mom and I'm like, you know, this is so hard. And she goes, well, you're going to put your big girl pants on right. and you're going to get through it. That's right. And so now anytime I'm in a moment of, I just want to quit, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to stop. Like yeah. I just want, I just, because it is, it is a big life. Yeah. And I, and I acknowledge that I have a big life and I have a lot, but with that big life comes a lot of responsibility. Yes, it does. You know, and also as we get older, right? Like I'm 43 and you've lived it where you cared for your mom. Yeah. You know, where the roles reverse a bit. Yep. And with the role reversal, that also brings more anxiety and pressure and stress mm-hmm. and as my kids get older, it's a lot. It's a it's lot. lot. There's a it lot is happening. a lot. There's I a lot happening. I always tell people, I'm like, we're in this phase of life. Like, we're yeah. in it. You know, everyone's always like, how are you? I'm like, ah, do you really want me to answer? I know. Like, do you want me to give you the truth or you want me to give you like the, the, the buttered up version? Yeah, and I think it's acute right now. Yeah. I think it's really acute right now because there's been so many things I say all the time, like, our parents had it easy. Yeah, well, you know, but they would argue that that's not true. I, I would I argue back with them and I'd be like, listen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think our parents had, I will say from my perspective, I think my mom had it different. They my had it different. Mom, That's fair. My mom, now I will say, my mom didn't have the autonomy to make full decisions just for her life, right? Like everything that she, every decision she made had to be factored. Someone else had to be factored into it, whether yeah. it was her kids, whether it was her mother, whether it was blah, blah. Like she never left Michigan because of it. Right. So I think for me, like, dang, like, wow, full circle. I have the time. I could really live wherever I want. You know what I mean? Yeah. I choose LA because yeah. that's where I feel like I get the most work out of it and I can be most successful. And I have now a community of people, including yourself, right? Yeah. And all these things. But like. And LA is dope, guys. I'm LA, sorry. No, but LA when people great. are like, LA is great. how do you live in LA? Yeah, and I'm like, you know, listen, don't say, shit on LA. I, LA is my favorite my choice, city in the whole world. My choice would be New York. Get out. I swear. No. I love New York. I think that New York has this like, I mean, with kids, I think it's always a little bit more challenging. Get out of here. But New York, there's something about New York. I have a phobia of elevators. So (laughs) I go to New York and I'm like, fuck. You sound like Issa. I hate elevators. You sound just like Issa. But I do just want to close the loop on the adulting thing. Okay. Close it. Really quick. Yeah. Our parents had it easier in some ways. The same in the sense that you know, the vulnerability and the pressure that comes with being a parent is really intense. So that's the same. But in this world with technology and with social media and, you know, all of that stuff are, you know, that our parents didn't have to go through. I think they had it a little bit easier. But So like from the parenting aspect. From the parenting aspect, you know. And then also I think too, and I say this a lot, is I just wish I, 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 I remember you know, being 
now Sydney's age, who's 13, my oldest uh-huh, son, uh-huh. so That's well. so wild. It's so crazy, you, you know? Year old. 13, he's going to be 14 in February. <sighs> and I remember being his age and just thinking my parents were the end-all be-all. You yeah. know, they had all the answers. They were my safe space. They had nothing. Everything was, like, literally perfect. You, there is no, okay, hold up. And now so, I'm going to challenge you. And, hold but, on. But, but let me just say this. <laughs> That now I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God, you know, when my mom was 43, uh, she had four kids. She had just had her fourth kid, you know, and now I have perspective of what it actually was like to be in her shoes. Yes. And so I do think that there's, you know, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's very challenging, but I also feel like I was a little bit more prepared Mm. for how hard adulting is. Yeah. And I will say too, that I think, um, you were more prepared for how hard adulting is because of how, no, I wish I was a little bit more prepared. I wish I was a little bit more prepared. Like I wish my parents had maybe been like, this shit is hard. You know, (laughs) like I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, just wait till you're an adult. Wait till you have actual responsibility. It is hard. It is really hard. And I think that I say a lot, I'm trying to figure out how much of it now in our world, in our time is our age Mm -hmm. that we're being met with Mm -hmm. just like real life shit. Yep. And how much of it is the world in which we now live compared to how we were raised. Well, I think I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Right? I think like you said, I think social media, the internet plays a really huge part in how everyone lives now. So, how we parent yep. and how our kids are being raised. I will say though, you being from LA and and even just knowing people from New York too, mm. I feel like New York and LA kids go kids are raised a little bit faster. Oh, they yeah. they know a little bit more oh, quicker. Yeah. They're not as like naive and like 100%. that kind of thing. But I will challenge you on the whole 14 years old thing. Hold on. You at 14, you're going to sit here and tell me that your parents were your end-all, be-all, and that they knew everything. Yeah. And that you believed everything they said. I did. Wow. I did. I mean, even when I was in my tr- – I still do. <laughs> like, I literally still do. I mean, I question some things now, but I still do. Like, all, I, I remember when 9-11 happened. I was in my early 20s, and I was living in an apartment probably 10 minutes away from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it happened – I got in my car so fast and went straight to my parents' house and looked at my father and I said, what's going to happen? Wow. Because that's my safe space. Yeah, that's right. You know? And do you feel like your boys feel like you and Rich are their safe space? A hundred percent. Yeah. I would say the same for your kids. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, my kids definitely because they own this shoe. Let me tell you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, definitely. I mean, my youngest asks me all the time. He'll hear me on calls, whether it's personal or work, and he'll be like, are you okay? What's yes, wrong? Are that's you okay? how, yeah. What's wrong? Same. You know, mom, Same. mom, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. Nothing's wrong. Maybe I should say something's wrong. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I should be like. I'm trying to open up yeah. a little bit more with them. You know, I will say I'm trying to like not be as um, uh, like, oh, everything's fine. Sugarcoat. I'm good. Life is great. Yeah. You're fine. You're safe. You know, I think that there's things that are happening in the world or things that have happened where Nima's questioned me, my oldest, she'll ask me things or if I'm upset or whatever it is. Now I'm like, well, you know what? 
today kind of was a hard day. Yeah. You know, today sucked and that was or like okay. when they and see you crying. Yeah. Well, that's been a big thing too. Like if they see me crying, that's yeah. like, but I try and walk them through it. I'm like, I'm yeah. crying because of this. This is yeah. the reason, you know, I have this thing of like parenting where I don't want Nima to have it like how I had it. And I seen, I say Nima just because she's my of oldest course. and we have the mutual, right? Whatever. But I don't want my kids to have it necessarily like I had it. But at the same time, I do want them to know that the world is not roses and sunshine all yeah. the time. You know, like they I need to that know that the there 80s is struggle. I think in the 80s and 90s, I, while I still struggled in other ways at home and, you know, like I said, my mom got sober when I was 15. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents separated twice in my life. Yeah. They separated once when I was five and they separated once again when I was like 12, 11, 12, 12, I think, and got back maybe, yeah, 12, and then got back together when I mm. when my mom got sober at 15. Mm. So, you know, again, everyone has their shit, yeah, right? Everyone has their stuff and no one is perfect. I think about how are my kids going to come out of this as adults, mm-hmm. you know? And it is my job to do my best and Rich's job to do his best. Right. And we do set an example for them. Mm-hmm. And we they do look up to us. Your kids look up to you, yeah. especially yeah. your girls, you yeah. know? I don't have girls, right? Yeah. So it's very different. Um, so for me, it's really important raising boys who are going to become men mm-hmm. that I'm teaching them a lot about women's rights and women's equality and women are more capable than Mm -hmm. men, which I fundamentally believe. I remind my kids all the time. I ask them, I'm like, how'd you get here? (laughs) I love this. How, like the fact that you get, like, remember how your feet got planted on this earth. Yeah. Because without women. You aren't, you aren't, you can't be here. None of these men would be here. That's right. Period. End of story. What do they say? Are they receptive to it? Well, now it's a running joke. <laughs> Here she goes again, you know. But it's really important to me. Yeah. It is because as a woman who, yes, I had privilege and I had all of these things, you know, and I worked for my father for 17 years, mm-hmm. you know, and I look back on some of the circumstances that I was in when I worked for my father mm-hmm. and I am mind blown. Yeah. But in the time, right, I didn't realize how unfair or how inappropriate, not that my father was unfair and appropriate. The, the business. Just the business, right? right? Like yeah. meetings I would be in, people that I would have to, you know, people are always like, oh, well, all women do is bitch and complain and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do because we've had to fight so hard right. to be taken seriously. We have had to fight so hard to be equal to men in business, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have had to do that on our own. Right. 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 And we still have to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ongoing. It's a real thing still, you know? Okay. So even just that, so you, you know, people would assume that it was just all given to you, but that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, from what I researched, you wanted to be a makeup artist first. True. Um, and then, you know, you went to school, you did all the things, you started working for your father. Mm -hmm. I dropped out of college. Dropped out of college. Um, if you ask my dad, he'll tell you I failed out. (laughs) There's a discrepancy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which one was it? You dropped out or you failed out? out? What school did you go to? University of Arizona. And what was it? You just didn't like it. Honestly, I am a terrible student. I was a bad student in high school. It was hard for me. Mm -hmm. I managed to get 
fine grades. I was a BC student, some A's here and there. I was Mm -hmm. not an A student. I didn't have a bat mitzvah because that required me to go to more school. Wow. Yeah. I went to Hebrew school forever. And then when it, when you, what, what you would do back then is I had to go to Hebrew school Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. And then when you started to train for your bar bat mitzvah, you then were there like every day. All right. And you had to do all this extra, you know, studying. And it was hard for me. I was just, I'm convinced I have dyslexia and ADD. I've never been tested, nor will I ever get tested. But you know, when I look back on what was hard for me as a student, you know, I always excelled in math and science. I never excelled in history and English because reading was hard for me. Writing was hard for me. And I think that I just, you know, it's funny, my whole family are... Same way? Well, my dad never, my dad dropped out of college. My mom never went to college. My brother Cameron dropped out of college. My brother Jeffrey, God bless him, did, I, this is what I should have done. He did four years at college at Boulder, University of Colorado. We went, he walked in his graduation, but he had like three credits that he had to take over the summer uh-huh. in order to actually get his diploma. diploma and he never took them. Because he's like, if I do that, I'm going to break the curse. No way. You know, so he didn't do it. it. He still to this day never has done it, which I'm like, maybe you should go do that one day. And he's like, I'm good. That is Um, so wild. My sister Jay, however, did graduate from Tufts. She was an incredible student. She's the oldest of Uh all four of us Uh and got her PhD. Okay. So it's just crazy. So she's the outlier of the family. Yes. She did it. And I, I'm, I, I think it's incredible. And I am very envious of her for having the patience and the ability to do it. But for me, I was just a, not a good student and I didn't want to go to school. And I think that I just had a, a I wanted to work. Did I you, worked did every you, summer. Do you believe that college is necessary? Look, I believe everyone has their own path. Mm-hmm. And I think for some people, yeah. Yeah, You know, like my business partner, Sherry, went to UCLA undergrad and then went to Harvard Business School. Right. And I think for her, that was what she needed and wanted. And she thrived in those environments. Right. right? I didn't. Yeah. So I think everyone has their own path. I think now with just how um, what's being taught in schools with technology, from an educational standpoint, I don't know that college is as necessary. From mm-hmm. an independence and a social perspective, I encourage it. Right. Because Same. I think I that it that. really, you know, I I want my kids to go to college, mm-hmm. even if it's for a small period of time, because right. I think that that's where I learned my independence, and I needed that. I needed to I not live. I want my kids to take a gap year. Great. I'm like, go take a gap year. Yeah. The reason why I feel like if I had taken a gap year, because you know I dropped out. You did? Yeah. Where'd you go? Northwestern. No way. But I wouldn't quite wow, say you dropped a drop out of out. Northwestern. Are you Hold okay? On. Was that judgment? No. Was that judgment? No, no, no. Over I'm not there? judging. I'm not was judging. Was that judgment over there? No. I wouldn't say dropped out. I couldn't out. even Maybe get I into have, Northwestern. Maybe I have a little so. bit of a discrepancy too. I had um I had a year to go and I had an opportunity to go to New York and model. Yeah. And it was like, you know, the modeling game was like either you're gonna do it while you're young. you still look young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when you if that whole year you might not have the same opportunity. Correct. And I was like, Oh, I gotta take this. I remember yeah. talking to my mom and grandma and it was a whole family decision. But anyway, I just feel like now I would I would take a gap I would have my kids take a gap year for that worldly perspective. 
so they can kind of know exactly what they want to do. Yeah. Just because I think going straight into college sometimes, you don't know even what you want to do. Like you you're don't. forced into like a major, you're forced into do this, you're forced blah, blah, blah. You're paying all this money and you're like, what am I getting out of it? You know, when I went to University of Arizona, I, I didn't know what major, I didn't even know what a major was. Yes, People yeah. were like majors, minors. I'm like, yeah, wh- I have no which idea. one? Yeah, what do I do? And I ended up taking, because everyone did, which was like the trendy thing to do was retail. Oh, what? That's, retail what retail major. And you learn. That's a major? It was a major. It, I think it's still, I think it's the most popular one there. See, I, I used to think communications was the most popular one. Maybe. Retail. Retail. Okay. All my friends were doing it. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll take retail. I guess this is what we're doing. I learned nothing. Literally. <laughs> my dad would joke. He's like, what do they do? Take you to the mall? And I was like, there's that's really exact, that's exactly a horrible the joke mall I would do. in Tucson. So. <laughs> I remember when the first Forever 21 opened up in the mall in Tucson. We were like, oh, my God, we got to go every Saturday. For, that is so for, funny. You know, yeah. All right. So we, we drop out of college mm-hmm. and we work for uh, at your father's office for about Well, before that, I, you know, I also never wanted to go to sleepaway camp. I hated it. So the rule was that if I wasn't going, I had to get a job. Okay. So I started working when I was like 14 years old every summer. I was Where? the receptionist at DreamWorks Records Get for out. Michael and Mo Austin. Yeah. They were my, my parents' best friends. And I asked them for a job and they at said 14. yes. Yeah. I was and working I, at the bagel factory. Yeah. At 14. Well, that's the difference of LA and <laughs> yeah. that right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And that is where I had a leg up, right? Mm-hmm. Is that I could call Michael yeah. and Mo and say, hey, can can I work for you? But I don't want to give this impression that, you know, listen, I understand you worked in your father's, you know, office for 17 years. And that's, you did a lot of learning there and a lot of like, but you started off as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. You moved your way up. Um, mailroom. Mailroom. I started mail room. in the mailroom yeah, mail at DreamWorks. Mailroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you moved your way up and then you wanted to like separate. You wanted to be like, you know what? I need to figure some things out on my own. I want to start my own thing. And is that when Blended Strategy Group mm-hmm. started? Yeah. Okay. It started because I had had Dylan, my third son. Mm-hmm. And so you had three, you already had three kids before even starting. Yeah. I started Blended, blended. when Dylan was a, like, I remember Sherry asking me if I had like post-pregnancy brain and if I was okay when I was like let's start our own business she was like you have a newborn I'm like yeah and you knew I was, Sherry from what I met Sherry because when I was still working at my dad's company I I had built the internal commercial division there to because uh-huh. I really just was instinctually drawn to the brand business yeah. I saw early on that brand and talent that the intersection of brand and talent was going to be huge mm. and I also started to see new talent come up, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't just musicians. It wasn't just actors, comedians. You know, I saw that the world of representation was shifting a little bit. Yeah. And I, you know, I was like, oh, there's these bloggers. Yeah. Who are bloggers? What are they? Right. You know, right. um, at the time, and I started to see how to monetize through them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just, it, it was fascinating to me, you yeah. know? And when I worked for my dad, I... I did a lot of the management on the women there Mm -hmm. Um, and the women typically would get the brand ambassador programs pre-social media, you know, that's where the women really found a lot of ancillary opportunity, financially, marketing, all that kind of stuff. And I just saw that it was going to be a big thing and I I loved it. I loved getting in there and negotiating deals. 
Yeah, yeah. I just loved it. I loved being creative on ways to amplify the intersection of talent and brand, especially for musicians, because at the time the record business was in the toilet because the you know everyone was, was scrambling to, to yeah. figure out how what that transition from CDs to online was going to be. Right. You so know, everything was everything. Everything was like and the life. record labels were yeah. scrambling, and you know our clients needed these brands to help just from a marketing perspective, right? right? Just to help market albums, tours, whatever it was. And so I just, I was, I just loved it. So blended strategy kind of came out of you also forecasting the market. A little bit. Yeah. 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 And so, how, oh my God. But so Sherry had a, she, she worked at a brand mm-hmm. and we had gotten connected um, because she had hired an agency to help her hire talent mm-hmm. to, at the time, the way it was sold to me was, a tour sponsorship, but really there was this new platform called Instagram and all she wanted was for high profile people who had at the time, I think it was like, you know, if you had a hundred thousand followers, you were like, wow, the bee's knees. Yeah. And so she was like, I just want people to post about EOS. She Mm -hmm. was at EOS and I was shocked. I was like, wait, what? You'll pay them six figures and there's not a production day attached and you, they don't have to do 15 interviews and they don't exactly. have to do a personal appearance. Because that's and, what you were used to. Yeah, well, that was the model. Yeah. You know, and she was like, yeah, I was like, great, I could do this all day. Yeah, Who exactly. do you want? Yeah. You know, and that was really the birth of Blended and mm-hmm. our skill sets having hers coming from brand and mine coming from talent mm-hmm. and merging those skill sets. And she was living in New York and I was like, her family was here and I was just like, you got to come back. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. And you've sold enough lip balm. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But this is interesting because I feel like you started a business mm-hmm. three kids in. Mm-hmm. Hello. And I, I knew nothing about what Hello. I was doing. Hello. I literally, I, that's my favorite thing is when people think, that we all know what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a bit, thank you for saying this because everyone, <laughs> everyone needs to hear this is that, you know what? None of us know what we're doing. Yeah. We're all figuring it we're out. We're all figuring it out. And the beauty in like every conversation I've had, and I really, I'm very lucky and blessed to be able to speak with powerful, successful, intelligent, um, yourself tastemaker. Well, listen, I mean, I'm, I, look, I'm trying to learn from all of you. Why do you think that I have all of you on here? I'm yeah. trying to learn from all of you because that's what I want my viewers to take away. It's like, you know, you think sometimes once you become a mother or, you know, if you're in a shift of life or if you feel like, you know, you just don't have the resources or whatever the case may be, a lot of women feel like they can't take that next step or how do they take that next step? The fact that you had three kids and you still, mm-hmm. the fact that you had three kids and everything was cushy for you, you you had a job, you you were fine, you were with Rich, an amazing husband, but yet you still was wanted I? more. But was I fine? Because I there you go. was working for my dad. Mm-hmm. There was a threshold on what I could do there Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, my dad, and I say this with the utmost love, Mm -hmm. you know, he, 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 I know he's proud of me. I know he knows what I'm capable of. I know all those things, but it was just different. You Mm -hmm. know, I was a daughter. Did you have to prove yourself? I still have to prove myself. Yeah. That's going to be my whole life. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. especially to someone as successful as him. Yeah. You know, so I just think also 
from an exterior perspective, there was so much I would get so, I mean, I would be in meetings and people would be like, well, you just have a job because you're dead, mm. you know, or friends would call me and say things. I remember I had a friend call me at one point and said, oh, I was just at this dinner. And at the time I was managing Jennifer Hudson, I was doing all her brand work. Uh -huh. And um, she was at this dinner with this one brand that I had been talking to. A friend of mine was at, uh -huh. at dinner with this other, you know, marketer at this brand. And she called me after the dinner. She's like, you'll never believe what this person said. And I was like, what? And she was like, the only reason you work with Jennifer Hudson is because of your dad. And it was it was really at that moment, I think, that I had I had no choice. Yeah. You know, where I was just like, well, if this is the perception of me, I got to make a change. Yeah. If I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom, which is just not who I am, right. You know, then I've got to I've got to do this. And mm -hmm. and it was scary, you know, cuz it was to your point I had job security. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd worked for my dad for 17 years. I had gone through many really amazing business moves with him, uh -huh. you know. Well, you learned a lot. I learned, I, I still do, uh -huh. you know. I mean, there's no better mentor than him. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was hard and it was disappointing. And, you know, I still struggle with it sometimes because I do sometimes see these really powerful men whose daughters, you know, are their successors. Uh -huh. um, but that's not my path and that's not my journey, yeah. you know, and that's okay. But how much courage does that take? It was, it still is hard. Yeah. It's still hard because there is still a lot of crossover in what I do and what, what him and my brother do at their company. And yeah, we collaborate and we work together and there's a lot of that for sure, but I'm not involved in it mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, my brother is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, so, listen, I think that I think that in itself, the fact that you, even with that, right, you still decided to go off on your own, mm -hmm. create something for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there is you proving yourself, uh, but I think you're also proving it to yourself. I am. You know what I mean? I think you're proving to yourself that you have the capability. You are smart enough. You are worthy enough. You, this is yours. And this is yours, something that you own on your own. Yeah. You know, no one else can take that away from you. You. Like, no. this is yours. And I think, too, you know, it goes back to what my definition of success is. What is your definition of success? It's funny because there's success in business mm -hmm. and then there's success in my personal life. Okay. And they're different. Is the motto different? They're different. You know, for me, I think – you know, I have an incredibly successful personal life mm -hmm. and I know that, you know, I, and I'm grateful. I am, I thank God every single day. I pray to God, mm -hmm. you know, I'm Jewish, but I pray to God. Mm -hmm. He's my, you know, like I, I'm not religious, mm -hmm. but I know that there's a God and I, I'm grateful for that because I'm so grateful for my family, for my husband. Like I said, I never dreamt that I would have this husband and these, this incredible family and these kids and, you know, my extended family and both my family and, and my husband's family and, mm -hmm. you know, and then I have this family and my girlfriends that I've had my entire life. Yes, you have. And I'm really blessed for that. But yeah. on top of it, I've made incredible 
girlfriends in my adult life too, you know, yourself, Melinda, you know, Brett, there's a lot of women that are like my foundation, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really lucky for that. So from a personal perspective, I think that I'm blessed and I'm lucky and I have a lot of success in that. I think from a professional perspective, again, you have to remember what my bar is. Okay. Right. You have to remember, look at, you know, my father is incredibly successful, who, by the way, wouldn't be as successful without my mother. It's mm-hmm. a, they're, they're, they're a fucking package yeah, deal. Yeah, a duo. You That's know, right. and I have to continuously remind myself that that level of success, it's small, mm-hmm. right? Like not very, like a lot of people have it per se, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think that from a professional perspective, I still have a lot of work to do. I have a couple follow-up questions here. Yeah. Because you are also around. Yeah. And BFF yeah. with a lot of people yeah. who, and one in particular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah. just Kim K, right? Yeah. Whose success is. Yeah. Not normal. Not normal. I know. I mean, it's off the charts, wildly yeah. successful. Yeah. Like even do you. By the also- way, I'm not surprised she's that <laughs> successful either. But why? Because that's just, she's, she, she's, she is so driven um, she has been our whole life. Her and I both, yeah. you know, I couldn't do what she does. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of people could. She is, a lot of people think they can. Yeah. No. And a lot of people not only think they can, but then say they want to do that. Yeah. I don't think they also understand everything that goes no. in behind the scenes no. to get that. No. There. No way. Not even a little, Mm-mm. you know, and she's just, I, you know, She's an anomaly. She is one of one. Yeah. And she is an ins- she's just at the core of who she is, an amazing human and an amazing that. person. And, you know, her mom too. Yeah. You know, they didn't have a choice. Right. But to work as hard as they've worked to achieve this level of success. Right. And I think people forget that mm-hmm. about them is that they just think, oh, well. I don't think people forget. I don't think people know. Right. You know, I don't think people are aware of it because Mm -hmm. they only see one side. Yeah. You know, and I I think that's like you just said, though, that's the good and bad of social media. Yeah. But that's my bar. Yeah. Right. Like my best friend Mm -hmm. and my father and our and the family. This is so this is my follow up question. Why? Why is your bar? I don't want to say why, but I don't know the right question to ask. As a 43 year old woman. Yeah. As successful as you are, but why do you think I'm rich successful? in love and people <laughs> and like because I I because I know you right I know you on a personal level so I know how rich you are in a personal life yeah. you are filled with love yeah and people are your ride or dies and even myself included instantly I was like nah I ride with this one just <laughs> because she, you are you because we connected like that mm-hmm. very instantly yeah. and there was no doubt about it. But also from a professional standpoint, I've seen so much of your success. Mind you, I was, I literally called you on the day that I was giving birth and was like, I can't make our I lunch. remember. You know? And so yeah. I know how hard you work though. You are like, you, you give so much of yourself. I've seen you with your employees. I've seen you at your company. I've seen the back end. I've seen you put on these events. I've seen you go out and hustle for, uh, for Gwen Stefani, for Cardi B. I've seen these things firsthand. Yeah. And so I know how hard you work and how successful you are. And I also know 
people in the industry speak very highly of you. Well, and when that happens, that means you're doing something that people yeah. are responding to. And so that's why, from my perspective, I wonder why for you at this stage in your life, where the intersection of everything that has met, right? Mm-hmm. Why is it that you still feel like there is a bar that you need to meet that you're still striving to that's not on your own terms, that's on someone else's. Yeah, it's hard to explain, but I think that in business, you know, people just think that everything is roses, you know, but really it's hard, you know, it's hard to run your own company. I was just talking to some friends about it and Sherry actually said to me the other day, she was like, it's really selfless. It is. Running your own and owning and operating your own business because, but people look at it as such an, like, Oh, how lucky. And I am. I'm so fucking lucky and I'm so grateful for it. I just think like, you know, I have big dreams. Of course. I have really big dreams and I want to achieve all those dreams. And when they're, I'm not someone who takes the bumps in the road easily. Like those jolt me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, wait a minute, it doesn't, why is this, what do you mean? You know, like whether it's an employee who wants to leave, right? Mm -hmm. I take it so personally or whether it's a client who wants to leave or whatever it is, I take it so personally and I'm really working on not taking it personally. And I'm really working on taking the emotion out of the business Mm. because Mm. I am finding that when you're emotionless as it relates to business, and this is based off of people that I'm working with that are emotionless Mm -hmm. as it relates to the business, then it's much easier to navigate. Right. And so as a CEO and someone who runs their own business, I think that I have to I have to take the emotion out and I think that then I'll be able to really achieve some of the things that I want. I think that from a the 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 success thing though, you know, everyone talks about, oh, every I have I need an exit. I need to sell my company. Mm-hmm. I need this. I need to, mm-hmm. you know, I need that big um payoff. that big payoff and that big win mm-hmm. and I know I'm going to get there and I know I'm going to have that. Um, I think that for me, it's just a little, um, I'm just anxious to know what that is and I'm anxious for it to happen. Mm -hmm. And I know that it will. um, But that's where, when you ask me why in my personal or in my professional life, why I don't feel like I've achieved it. And it's also just because I want to do so much that I haven't done yet. Yeah. And I know I'm capable. That's right. And and then when things happen that get in the way and slow that down, you start to question everything, mm-hmm. right? And when you own your own business, you can't just be like, oh, forget it. That's right. You know, whereas when you have employees who work for you who are in that same moment and they're questioning it and they're asking themselves, you know, do I still want to do this? They can walk away. That's right. That's right. You know, they can just be like, well… I got to figure out this or well, what, the you know, is different. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and so it's just, I mean, the other, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, God, I wish I worked for someone and I didn't work for myself because it would be so much easier. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yes and no. Yeah, no. It has pros and cons for you know, sure. I think I, I, I come at you this way too, because I feel the same way. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and, and I think that it is a, it is a very widely universal feeling, especially of women who are in business for themselves. You know, yeah. I think that I feel the same way in terms of I'm still trying to reach a bar. Yeah. I want to get to the bar. 
I think we both probably have to remember the bars that we've hit. Mm-hmm. That's true. Which is hard. It's really hard. That's hard to remember. It's very hard. Because while you're while you're figuring things out, while you're trying to get to the next, yeah. it's hard to, to remember that. It is. Um, it's really hard. So what would you tell your sons if they were you? Oh my God, I tell them so many things always. But now, if they now, were like, mom, I'm just trying to hit this bar. You were so wildly successful. I'm trying to get to where you are. What would you tell them? Yeah, I'm afraid for my kids. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I am. I'm like, oh my God. Um, I tell my kids all the time, you know, my especially being at the school that they're at, mm-hmm. it's very academic. Yeah. It's very competitive. It gets more competitive as you get older. As you get older. Uh-huh. And I tell my kids all the time when they come home and they say, oh, I got a A minus or I got a B or I got a C on this test or whatever. Uh-huh. My first question to them is, did you try your hardest? Yeah. Same. Literally uh-huh. every single time. Uh-huh. Did you study enough to, and did you try your hardest? And if the answer is yes and it's genuinely yes, uh-huh. I'm good. Yep. Same. And if it's not and I know, then I – Ream them. Yep. Not ream them, but I'm kind of like, well. This is what you get. This is what you get. If you don't put the effort in and you don't put the work in, then you're not going to get the results you want. I mean, I'm not trying to, I I just, the last thing I want to do is raise any anxiety ridden kids. Well, I think that's impossible in our world. No, I mean, I'm trying my hardest. I mean, even Neil, I'm like, please don't. Just like, hey, did you try hard? Let's work on it. If there's something you don't understand, I'm right here to help you figure it out. But oh, please don't stress. When I was, my kids are 9, 11, and 13 right now. When I was 9, 11, and 13, no one was talking about anxiety. No. You were just sitting with it. That's right. That's true. You That's were true. and you were and you were processing it and trying to figure out what it was. It's so true. Now kids openly talk about it, <laughs> yeah. which has which is amazing. It's amazing. But I don't I don't think But it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's amazing. Yeah. But also I wish they almost didn't know. Like I almost wish they there wasn't a word for it. Like almost identifying it focuses on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, to Neem all the time, I'm like, baby, don't focus on that. Like, don't even worry about that. Nothing for you to worry about. Nothing at all. But we can say that to them. Mm-hmm. But they still have their internal process. Because people say it to us. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, I want to end it on this. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you could come and do this with I'm me in the middle you of your day. Me. I'm thankful that you were honest and truthful and giving me all you, you got yeah. as you always do. I love you. I and love you I so am, much. I'm, I'm, so I'm so grateful proud of you. for our friendship. Yeah. I love you. I Thank love you. you. Thank you for having me. All right, Cool Mom crew, I'm Lizzie Mathis, and you've been listening to this week's episode of the Cool Mom Code podcast with our incredible guest, Allison Statter. Make sure to listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.